My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Okay, men, there you are. You are in your work, and you are showing up every day, like it or not. Some of you really like your jobs. I'm not going to say that. I love what I get to do. But then there's some days you're like, hmm, who am I? What am I doing here? Why should I be here? Is my gay self showing up or am I hiding part of who I am? What should I let be seen? How do I lead teams if I'm the token queer on the team, right? All these are things that happen and it doesn't matter who you work for from Disney to DreamWorks to Walmart to, you know, you could be flipping burgers at the local burger joint. I don't care. We all have these ways as gay men that we lead in the workplace and we lead in our lives. And I felt like today's guest who has an amazing book coming out, I'll let him share that with you. It's coming out in August. I figured for Pride Month, why shouldn't we take, and guys, you've been listening, you know that we are on the final letter of Pride, E, and I felt like, let's explore what it's like to be an executive or a leader in our world as a gay man. His name is Jim Fielding, and I can't wait to share his cool book. I'm going to, again, I'm going to let him tell you all about that. And let's see where we go as gay guys over 40 in our work, our workplace, and as leaders. So Jim, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, Rick, so much for having me. I'm really honored. Of course, of course. Okay, so this is your podcast. You just go. I just shut up and you start okay. to just talk about <laughs> your book and everything. But um, yeah. how exciting. You very got a book exciting. coming out very soon. I have so, a uh, book. Yeah, my first book. Hopefully my first book. I've been saying first now, like I'm going to write more. Uh, yeah, August 15th. It's called All Pride, No Ego, A Queer Executive's Journey to Living and Leading Authentically. So your setup is perfect. It's what my book cool. is about, is my almost 40-year career now, longer, I think, uh, mm. and, and navigating that as a not always as an out gay man. I came out, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, in the early eighties, I started my career, not uh, in the closet basically, but um, it, I really, I think it's a leadership book. I think there's, there's 10, there's 10 learnings in it. There's like basically mm -hmm. 10 learnings chapters. And of course I wrote it from the perspective of being a queer executive, but I think the learnings are really universal. And I think it's it's good for all leaders at all different levels at different points in their career. And, uh, you know, particularly for young people starting out their career and then even, you know, older executives who are kind of looking for a new spark or looking for a new a new boost. Mm -hmm. um, I've been blessed. I've, I've had an amazing career, but I've worked at it. Right. I yeah. mean, and and to your point. Um, I, I made decisions in my career to change companies because I didn't feel comfortable being my authentic mm -hmm. self. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was blessed and, and honestly, the last five years of my career, I, in, in Hollywood and, uh, LA, I went through two major mergers and acquisitions, uh, when DreamWorks got purchased by NBC universal. And then when mm -hmm. 20th century Fox got bought by Disney, and that was like a whole nother level of complexity to go through those mega yep. mergers in the media industry. So mm. I think, I think the topic's great. I'm honored that you thought of me and, um, well, I think this I is huge for some people. 
Yeah, I think it's huge for many of us as gay men because we huge. do climb. Okay, so let's, I'm, I'm going to generalize here, guys, and don't throw yeah. stones at me through the sound waves. But I think a lot of us gay men are very much climb the ladder sort of guys. Let's go, you know, do this, right? I'm not saying there's not anything that guys that are like, no, I'm really content to just do whatever. But mm-hmm. we are so driven to be successful. And we, and I'm not saying straight men don't, but there's just something about gay men. We're like, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? And then you hit some of these brick walls, you know? And then you're like, what do we do here? Do I, you know, how do I show up? And do I show up? And I'm not just talking about your queer self, but there is something interesting about the lens that I believe we as gay men look through as it comes to life in general. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll use myself as a little example right now. I, I work for an amazing company that I really love, but there are times that I'm like, how do I want to address this? You know, like when we have company retreats and they're going to a very red state where I'm like, I don't want to put a damn dime in that state, you know? Yeah. yeah. But then does that mean I'm hiding? Does that mean that I'm like, not contributing to the cause if I don't show my true self. So these are all these interesting things that I think as we move and groove in our worlds, it's, it's something we all contend with. And I feel blessed too, somewhat like you that I, I've actually worked mostly at companies that were very welcoming. I never Mm -hmm. really had to do, in fact, my very first job out of the closet, well, I was in the closet and actually came out of the company in Irvine, California. Mm. And we had a I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word predominance. We had a very large LGBTQ team, which Mm. in the late middle nineties was kind of like interesting that everybody was so out. Right. But we were a hospitality company. So I'm not one, I don't Mm. want to do the stereotyping, but you know, that kind of helped. And I'm so glad that that was the company that I came out of the closet with, because I think somewhere Mm. else I probably would have hidden myself in so many ways. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, we're we're slightly, obviously, different age. Like, I, I started my career, you know, my professional career. I graduated college in 1987, and um, I started at uh, a department store company. So again, retail, not to cliche, but you think retail is, you know, very gay friendly. However, I went to you mm-hmm. know a midwestern department store company, and mm-hmm. I met other gay men, but they were all closeted. And so I thought, yep. oh my God, I've got to be, I've got to be closeted. Like I've got to be on the down low and, and lived a dual life for three years with them where, you know, the checking the pronouns and making sure when you talked about what you were doing on the weekend and, you know, going to company retreats to your point or company picnics, but always going solo or always taking a girlfriend, right? The friend who was a right. girl, Never bring my partner. I was totally partnered at the time. Um, never even considered it. Yep. And um, and it's because I was so motivated to your earlier point to get promoted. And I thought, I'm mm. not going to let them use that against me. Like I'm yep. not. So even at 22 years old, I was already worried about a glass ceiling. Like I was already mm. worried that mm. the, somehow that was going to be a mark against me. And so I just worked really hard and got promoted a couple of times at the department store company. And then when I got promoted, I was moved from a large Midwestern, you know, liberal town to like a tiny town in Michigan, because that's what happened is you went to a smaller store and again, right back into the closet. And interestingly, <clears throat> um, 
also being told by my managers, don't tell anybody how old you are. So I was almost like double closeted. It was like, you can't be gay and you're like 25 and we don't want the 40 year olds that you're managing to know that you're 25. Right. And so I was like, okay. And, and you know, what starts to happen, like I was starting to have physical manifestations from that stress and, Mm -hmm. and not, and not being my authentic self. I was starting to have migraine headaches. I was starting to have stomach aches. Like, you know, I, I wasn't happy and went and had conversations with my regional manager, with my boss and literally got the advice like, oh my God, you're on such a tear. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. Like basically don't screw it up. Um, and ultimately ended up leaving that company because I, I, I had the awakening that I was never going to be able to be my authentic and true self there. I had confidants. I had a boss who knew my entire story and had me over for dinner. And, you know, I was really close to his wife and kids, but could not really be out. And Mm -hmm. I think part of it in the, I'm not making excuses for them, but, you know, coming out in the middle eighties, AIDS, death, you know, I think you said you were gay. They instantly thought you were sick. They instantly thought you were HIV positive. And so we were dealing with a lot of these layers of biases. Like it was one thing if they accepted you as gay, but then they just automatically assumed you were sick or you were going to get sick. Right. And so I'm not condoning their behavior, but, but then when I did that search to leave, when I opened myself up and said it was time to leave, you know, my next company, I was proud to say was the gap. I, you know, I left Mm. and went to, and why did I choose the gap? First of all, it was an incredible job. They were hot as a firecracker in the late 80s, early 90s. They were also based in San Francisco and they were very open about their support for the LGBTQ community. And so I thought, so I interviewed every interview I went to with the gap. I interviewed as my out self. I talked openly about having a partner and that if we were going to be relocated, it was going to have to be relocating us, not just me. And it was never an issue. And I felt like I lost 150 pounds. Like I just, Mm -hmm. it was such a different feeling. Uh, And, and so when I talk to young people now who may be struggling with the same thing, I, I literally say to them, if you have an option, look for somebody like what you said, where your company in Irvine was welcoming, like look for a company. If you have an option, I realize not everybody has an option. I'm not being cavalier. But if you have the option where you live to do a job search for a more LGBTQ queer community friendly company, please, please, please do it because you're always going to feel that you're hitting a wall to your point. Mm -hmm. You're always going to feel, and you're always going to be checking yourself and that's tiring. It's just tiring. It is tiring. And I left, well, even, okay, so I was in the closet. It's interesting that you brought up the mm-hmm. 80s. So I came out in the 80s and then went back mm-hmm. into the closet because of exactly mm-hmm. the things you said, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to die and all this sort of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of religious stuff. So, and yeah. um, once I graduated from college, so we're actually right at the same age because I graduated oh, okay, in 86, okay. you graduated in 87. And yeah. um, I lived my straight life, but throughout all of it, I would I kept nudging towards that it's going to happen, right? It's going to mm-hmm. happen. And I truly believe, well, the company I was referring to is actually <laughs> a horrible thing to say. They're responsible for my coming out because it was such a welcoming space. And then because I was pretty high up the ladder and I traveled the world. And so there was my ability to live another life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But even in that role, 
I would hang out with the LGBTQ crowd, but I was just kind of like the straight guy who like, Hey, I prefer hanging with you guys than, you know, the yeah, bros, you're like so an ally. Speak. You're an yeah, ally. I'm an ally. Right. right exactly. <laughs> Until we were in Atlanta and we were in Atlanta <laughs> over a weekend that it was Atlanta pride. And so all my, <laughs> my so team was Atlanta like pride stories. Oh uh, yeah. And it, they said, come on, go with us to prime. I'm like, no, I probably shouldn't do that. You know? And they're mm. like, you would enjoy it. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I know I would enjoy it. And that was probably <laughs> where I would get in trouble. Right. Right. And I did. And, um, that was the first doorway that opened in a big way for me to like start mm. to go, okay, th- my team is embracing and they, using the word ally, were my ally. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. we know who you are, Rick. And of course, once I did come out, they're like, we knew. We just, you know, we we knew, but we wanted to, we wanted to support you on the journey. And right, it, had, it has to be your decision. I mean, I. Well, I, of course it does. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I think so. so many people miss that. And it has to be your decision, too, regarding what you're talking about, like how you lead and everything in the workplace. Anybody mm. who says... You have to be out at work and all this stuff. I'm like, wait, that's a personal kind of decision. I'm not going to knock anybody who chooses not to be out at work. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm going to almost applaud them for like doing their path their way. Mm-hmm. But as you've shown and as you've seen, a couple of things that jumped out in some of the leadership lessons that you brought forward, I think as a gay man, the things that you can control that are controllable to me is a huge piece of the puzzle. But I love that mm-hmm. it says that you got to leave place you know, space for what's also possible. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the embracing Mm -hmm. all your families. You can have a lot of different families, folks, Mm -hmm. a lot of them. And especially in the workplace, I don't love everybody I work with. I would say more so at this position than I Mm -hmm. ever have. I I pretty much really do enjoy. Mm -hmm. And it's a small company. I mean, there's just like 40 employees Mm -hmm. here, but you learn to embrace those who embrace you in a certain way. And that's where I think you also not only create really strong teams, but you also invite everybody to the table. And I think that's a big to. piece of the, the leadership space. These if you're days. right, if you're going to be a leader of any size team, you have to manage diversity. We always talk about, we want to be managed, but as right. a leader, you have to manage diversity because it's not like, it doesn't matter if you have a team of two or a team of 20 at, you know, at one point in my career, I had a team of, you know, 20,000 at Claire's. Mm-hmm. They're not all going to be gay, right? So you have to be able to manage diversity all and and everybody, I think that's the thing. Everybody has a story. At the heart of everything I talk about, it's always storytelling and they all have a story. And my management style has to work for everybody on the Kinsey scale, I used to say, yep. right? Like mm-hmm. everybody and and to your point, it has to work for wherever they are in their self-awareness and in owning their story. And I can't force anybody to own their personal story, right? I can be there if somebody wants to talk to me about it. But, um, and so that's where I think, you know, the, I, I, it was funny when I was working on the book, the 10 leadership lessons, you just gave two of them. It doesn't say, gay men control the controllable and then leave space for the possible. It says leaders control the controllable, but leave space for the possible. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, bisexual, transgender, male, female, person of color. That is a huge learning of mine is that I do think because I'm gay, I am more of a control freak than a lot of people I've met because Mm -hmm. I was so controlling of the narrative. I was so controlling of my life. I think to your point, 
you know, one of the books I read when I, I was younger was Best Little Boy in the World. I think because yes. we perceive that we're not as good as somebody else, we work overtime to prove to everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I had to be the best reader in my school. I had to be at the top of my class in high school. I had to get great grades in college because I almost felt like I was overcoming a deficiency. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so, but the, the great thing, as I looked back at my career and I was writing the book, I was talking to a lot of people from my past, again, of the whole spectrum. And mm -hmm. the thing that means the most to me is if I have a 65-year-old woman that says, you were my favorite boss ever, and now she's a grandmother with three kids, or a 28-year-old gay man, or a trans uh, mm -hmm. woman, that I truly was trying to manage them situationally and managing them to bring the best of them out, mm -hmm. you know? Bring your authenticity and I will create an environment where you can use that authenticity to perform however you want to perform. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think it's such an important lesson because I can't, people always say, oh, Jim has, you know, Jim has a type. And I'm like, I don't have a type. I've managed a lot of different types of people and I don't want a hundred clones of myself. My God, we'd kill each other. Like mm -hmm. if I hired a hundred hyperactive type A gay men, you know, cisgender <laughs> gay men, and we all got in a room, we'd never get anything done, right? No, we would of course just not. be like, we'd we would just we'd just be running in circles and talking about what we watched last weekend. Like we would right. not literally get anything done. So I think you have to be really careful of that. Like you're not trying to hire little clones of yourself. You're not mm -hmm. trying to create little clones of yourself. You're trying, you're trying to create environments where people feel that they can prosper. Mm -hmm. And whatever their definition of prosper is. Some people uh, really want to do the same job for 20 years. That's awesome. If that's exactly. what you want to do, do it, do it. But Jim, don't you think that's where you truly do lean in? And I know one of the other principles you talk about is being a lifelong learner and letting mm -hmm. that staying constantly curious. And yes. this is a lesson I'm all constantly working on in my own yes. self because I can get on my own, like, this is the way it is <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Your little soapbox, box, right? Yes, yes. But then, and it just recently happened because I, I've had my contentious relationship with my own parents throughout for mm -hmm. a good part of this whole coming out journey. And just recently, they came to visit. We haven't seen each other in two years mm. just because of the pandemic and all sorts of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I set the intention before they got here, like, we're just going to enjoy being with each other. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, if something comes up, I'm either going to like set it aside and go, <laughs> we're not doing this, or I'm going to be curious, you know, and ask questions. Probe, it was right, so probe. interesting to see that we had an absolutely amazing visit. No drama happened. And mm. I feel like it was more me than them this go around because I was usually on the defensive. Like, you're going to mm -hmm. say something that's going to piss me off. You're going to do something that, mm -hmm. da, 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 right? Even to the point, this particular event, it was our oldest daughter's um, engagement party mm. celebration. Mm. I hadn't seen my ex-wife in probably mm. six years. And we have gone from really able to get along to like absolutely no communication right. whatsoever. I even walked up and said hello to her. And like the girl, our daughters were just like, oh, my God, he's actually talking to her. <laughs> yeah, she shined me off and they saw that, too. They saw yeah, like yeah. she just really blew. But it's these things I've decided I'm going to be curious. Like I wanted to learn because I knew that she's in the process of moving with her new husband somewhere. And I'm like, I'm just going to be curious. And I think this is a big thing. I can't imagine even in my role at my current company, walking in and saying, 
okay, well, the next person we hire, they have to be gay, lesbian, bi, trans. Totally. Because I don't know that that would be the best person. Mm -hmm. I want to hire the next best fit. And we have a very unique situation in this company I work for because we're just very, we're very fluid in how we work as a team. There mm -hmm. is no office. So that's the first thing. There is no mm -hmm. central office. We are all remote workers. Mm -hmm. And that takes a very big talent and a very unique team to be able to do that because we communicate through Zoom and Slack. And I mean, we see each other once a year. Once a year, we see each other at these four-day retreats. I wouldn't want to put that pressure on, we need this or this. Now, do I believe we need diversity? Absolutely. I believe there's some diversity that we could still use in this organization. Mm -hmm. But when you stand in a leadership role and you say, this is what it has to be, and this is mm -hmm. the only way it has to be, I don't feel like you're serving your team. And I think no, a lot of people all. miss and, that. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. And I love that you're like, I mean- you're living, I mean, this whole story with your parents and stuff, you're living to the learning. I mean, what I'm so amazed by what you did is you prepared yourself. You controlled the controllable, but you left room for the possible, number mm -hmm. one. Like you were like, yep. okay, I'm going to talk to myself. I know this could be contentious, but I what you were controlling was your reaction, which I talk about all the time, mm -hmm. right? You're yes. not controlling the situation. You're controlling your reaction to a situation. So like mm -hmm. if my mom says X, I am not going to pop off or walk away. I'm actually going to, sit back and take a deep breath and I'm going to ask more probing questions to understand. And I think, I think the, the lifelong learner and constantly curious, you just gave the example I've been using a lot lately is for most of my career, I was an in-person leader. Like my mm -hmm. leadership style is let's get 40 people in a room and brainstorm, right? Yeah. My leadership style is, oh, I have stuff to communicate okay, I'm going to do a series of group meetings in person. Cause we worked five days a week in an office. Right. Right. I've had to learn new skills to work in a hybrid, to your point, or a virtual yep. environment. I've had to learn how to quote touch people without physically <laughs> being there. But how do yep. how do I make them feel heard? How do I make them feel listened to? How do I how do I do active listening on mm -hmm. a Zoom like we're on right now? And um, and I you know I, some of the people I you know I work with, some of the clients I work with you know, I, I say to executives, like, you're never done learning. Like, if you tell me mm -hmm. you're done and you've got the playbook, like, I think you're a problem. Like, I'm going to yes. tell you that's arrogance. Like, I would just mm -hmm. say you're arrogant because the pace of change in technology, the pace of change in the consumer marketplace, the pace, what the pandemic did to all of us, none of us could have predicted. No. And, and so you've got to be curious and you've got to be willing to try some new things and fail and make mistakes. And the other thing I've been saying lately as I've gotten older is like, I'm hiring young people and I literally will tell people after the interview, well, he or she kind of scared me, but I think that that's good because- mm -hmm. I didn't fully understand everything that we're talking about, like right. these different tools or these different apps. And I was like, I think that's good because yes. they're going to teach me how a 27 year old thinks, how a 30 year old thinks mm -hmm. and, and what, it, what they're motivated by. And um, I, I think you can never assume as a leader that you have all the answers. And, and I think hopefully anybody that's ever worked with me would say, I'm a two heads are better than one kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that I will always say, like, 
I always say to people, if you come to me with a problem, be prepared to talk about a solution. Don't yes. just come to me and dump a problem on my desk and assume I'm going to like get out my mm -hmm. Magna Carta and say, oh, that's number 17. Do this. Yes. Like, uh -huh. I'm literally <laughs> going to ask you, how do you think we should handle it? Yeah. What would you do? And I, of course, I'm going to poke at you and I'm going to mm -hmm. prod and give you some advice. And yes, I have all these years of experience, but I've, I've loved these last couple of years because I still feel personal growth. And I think to be mm -hmm. 58 years old and say, I'm still growing is amazing yes. oh, um, yeah. because, you know, my dad, by the way, my dad was a fireman. He retired at 50, 55, mm. zero wow. because he had 28 years and he started at 22 right now. He ended up becoming mayor of his city. And I mean, he had a life after fireman, but sure. I think about that all the time. It's like, I, I do not want to be retired. Like I, mm -mm. I'm still thriving on learning and, and, and yes, the marketplace is challenging. Yes. COVID was challenging. Hybrid is challenging all the stuff we're talking about, but it's also exciting because I think it creates opportunity and well, it does create opportunities yeah. and you got to be willing to step into it. In fact, as I was preparing for this and reading some of the stuff about the book and everything, one of the things that I really wanted to like, challenged the listeners with was we're yeah. talking a lot about leadership and things such as that. I'm just going to take the five leadership lessons that were presented here. And mm -hmm. I'm going to invite the the guys listening to think about, okay, maybe you don't see yourself as a leader, but as a gay man and taking Jim's lessons into account, just in your personal life, you can control the controllable, but you leave room for the possible. One of the lessons is build a high performance team. Well, you can build a high performance social circle. And, and that gives you like this cult learning a lot about the cultures of excellence in your own social circles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get so closed off as gay men. It's like, no, I only want to be with these kind of gays. Okay. Well that I get that. But sometimes we, we put those fences up and then you don't mm -hmm. have these high performing, high powered, rich experiences because you've done that. The third one that I loved, and I wish that more gay men would balance this out. And I'm saying, I'm talking to myself too, because there's times I don't balance yeah. this out. But the finding the power to put yourself first, so many gay mm. men don't do this in general in their life. Selfish thing, is not a bad word. It is not a bad word, but we as gay, well, as LGBTQ individuals have been told, totally. you're being selfish. You're being selfish, oh, right? Yeah. But I think the power of this, and I, it's ironic, I was literally taking our youngest daughter to the airport this morning and we had a really interesting conversation about her new work because she's having to she's traveling around a lot, doing weeks at different locations, getting trained, but also mm -hmm. filling in. And I asked her how she was feeling about all that. She goes, oh, I'm kind of dreading going where I'm going this week. And I'm like, mm -hmm. why is that? And she goes, well, I had not a good experience last week. I said, yes. So here comes the big belong to lifelong learning. I said, yes, but what are you learning? She was, well, I'm learning a lot about how I want to, because basically she's being trained so that when they open the office here where we live, she's going to be responsible for creating the culture and how they do mm -hmm. stuff and all this sort of stuff. I said, you know what? I think the beauty is you're learning so much along the way, but make sure through that. And if you're dreading it, make sure you're advocating for yourself. She goes, yes. oh, I am. I'm, you know, I talked to my boss and I said, you know, I'm not feeling like embraced. And she goes, not that I'm needing everybody to love me here, but, you know, she moves from office to office. So, you know, each office has its own personality, right? Mm -hmm. She goes, I just don't feel like they even want me there. I said, that's a great thing to get to learn because mm -hmm. what can you learn from not being wanted in a workplace and how can you change that culture? Not saying mm -hmm. go change their culture, but I said, these are such beautiful things. 
totally. which I knew we were getting ready to talk. I said, it's kind of like just embracing who you're with. And then as I said that, I'm like, I think I've read, I'm like thinking, <laughs> I think I read that in the guy I'm getting ready to interview yeah, this afternoon. Yeah. Of course, I got home. I'm like, I'm like, oh, yes, here we are. You know, so I think, Jim, the beauty of what you've done, and I haven't seen all 10 things, but I just I love mm-hmm. taking books like this and going, yes, this is about leadership. This is about being a servant leader and, you know, putting yourself out mm-hmm. and kind of setting ego and stuff aside. But how beautiful is it that you can take those same principles and apply them to your own life as a gay man? Oh, my God. I mean, Rick, you're making me emotional because, you know, I I, I was talking to you a little bit earlier. I mean, the, the editor, you know, and, and John Wiley and Sons have been amazing is, you know, she told me, my editor said, write the book that 50, I wrote it when I was 57, that 57-year-old Jim read when he wished he was 20, when he was 27, mm. that he wished he read. And that really opened up the whole thing for me because I I was like, and I say in the book, if I can help some people avoid some of the mistakes they made, I don't mm-hmm. think you ever can go through life and not make mistakes. But if I can help you avoid some of the pain that I went through and some of the mistakes I made and um, some of the hard lessons I learned, of course, I want to help people. You know, I think everybody has to, has their own path. Um, but the selfish is not a bad word. I don't think I learned that until I was about 54, honestly, like, because the way I was raised selfish meant you were in the corner, you were in timeout. Mm -hmm. I was an older brother. And if I was being selfish, it meant I wasn't sharing with my sister or I had taken a toy or I, I wasn't sharing the television with her. We all remember the days Mm -hmm. when there was only one television in the house. Right. right? And, (laughs) and, um, that meant I was being selfish. And so I grew up my entire life thinking selfish is bad. Selfish is bad. And, in you know my middle 50s, I had an incredible therapist who's like, Jim, you got to let that go. Selfish equals self-care. And yes. self-care, and it's literally, I mean, it's so funny because I just I just flew back from vacation. It's what they tell you to like put the oxygen mask on you first exactly. before you put anybody else. I mean, they've been telling me that my whole life. I've flown mm-hmm. around the world 10 times. And I was like, oh my God, you know, he's right. And and if I'm in better shape physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be a better son. I'm going to be a better partner, a better husband, a a better worker, a better manager, like, but I've got to take care of myself first. And I was the master of running my battery down and give, 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 give to the point of where I would literally have to take a weekend off and just do nothing because I needed to recharge my battery. Like I would run so hard that I'd given too much. I'd run my battery down and I could get really ill-tempered. I could Mm -hmm. get really short with people, with the people in my personal life, even the people in my professional life. And I didn't like that side of me. I didn't Mm -hmm. like when I would become angry, tired Jim. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that, that learning, writing that chapter, it, it just, but honestly, that's something I learned in my middle fifties. I, you know, I, I don't yep. think in my forties, I could have ever written that, that chapter. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't believe it. I thought selfish was a bad word. No, I, I, I relate was, to that. I thought it was horrible. hundred percent. I relate to that because yeah. I just, you know, even, okay. And maybe mine was exacerbated because I came out at 36 after living yeah. a heterosexual straight life for 13 right. years, married and all that. And I remember that was one of the first things my my parents said to me is, you're so selfish. You're just yeah. so selfish. But also, my parents have been very codependent and continue yeah. 
to be. And yeah. I didn't see it that way. I'm like, no, I'm actually escaping what's not serving me. I am yeah. leaving what's not serving me. And that's been and a I'm hard gonna, one to swallow. Really you know? hard. It's and you're going to live, you're, and you're proving it, you're going to live a longer, happier life because of that pain, right? Because oh, yes. you made that. And um, yeah, I mean, when I, I came out at 26, it's interesting, we have all these parallels. I came out at 26 and my father didn't talk to me for a year. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden got extremely religious. You mentioned religion. Like we were raised oh, yeah. religious. I was, I was raised Lutheran, but you know, we weren't, we started to become the Christmas and Easter crowd, right? right. But exactly all of a sudden he got super religious and was yep. sending me these typewritten. <laughs> my dad had horrible handwriting, so he would type his letters, right? Yes. And I'd start getting again for all the listeners. This is pre-email, pre-fax, pre-text. Yes. Yeah. I would start getting letters in the mail that were horrible, like yep. scripture and, you know, all oh, of yeah. these things. And, and the strain it put on my family, because again, pre-cell phone, pre-pagers to talk to my mother, mm-hmm. I had to call my sister and have mm-hmm. my sister call my mother and say, have her call me. Because if I called home, my dad mm-hmm. would hang up the phone Yep. or if she picked up and said, Oh, hi, honey. Like he'd know it was me. And I'd hear him in the background saying, hang up. Like the stress I caused on their marriage, I still carry that guilt with me. But that, that was for one horrible year. Now, Mm -hmm. unfortunately we've lost my dad by the end of his life. My dad could have been president of P flag, like talk about lifelong learner. Yeah. He completely transformed but it was a 30 year journey together. Like it was, it, there were a lot of ups and downs and, Mm -hmm. but I could never, I could never look back because I, once you say it, it's like taking a bandaid off, right? Like Mm -hmm. once it's off, it's not like, Oh, dad, I'm kidding. I'm really straight. Like I was just testing. Right. Right. You just, you have no choice. You've got to just keep moving forward. Well, you got to keep being you. That's the thing. Got to. And because, because it's such an empowering piece of who we are. And it is, I've had this argument with a lot of people like, okay, but you just like, man, you just want Dick. I'm like, that is not all it's all about. It's about realizing I finally get myself. I understand myself. Mm -hmm. I feel alive in who I am. And yes, there's a sexual attraction piece to the whole component, but I find myself more settled, more focused, more more alive. I mean, these podcasts are proof positive of me being fully myself. And if somebody had told me in 1999, when I came out of the closet that I would take that entire experience and turn it into my life work. I would have said, you're fucking insane. You're absolutely (laughs) fucking insane. Yeah. And then as it started to unfold, I'm like, this feels right. This is who I am. And I have friends say, you never used to smile. And God, you're funny when you do your videos and you do your podcast and everything, you're funny. And then they're like, why aren't you like that all the time? I'm like, well, I still am. It's just, there's something about letting myself be completely fully free that, you know, I still hold back in certain situations. I know I that, know. I know. but I know, but when but you're I right, don't, but you it's know. beautiful. And I was going to say, you know, the gift when you don't and when you can yeah. yes. truly be, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that feeling it's like a, it's like a, it's a visceral. I mean, it's a real feeling like it's, it's like the hair standing up on your arms. Like right. you really know that like I'm, I'm at my most authentic right now. And listen, I mean, you and I are the same generation. I, 
had many relationships with women, like, Mm -hmm. and, and I tried really, really hard. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. I tried really, really hard to be straight, really hard. And then I was like, no, I'm bisexual. Like I just assumed like that was my next path is that I'm bisexual. And, you know, finally, when I embraced, because to your point, it's not just about the sex, but the way, the way I explained it to a lot of, of my friends, my all kinds of friends, straight friends, gay friends is the difference for me was like the difference between having sex and making love. Like I just said, like it was the emotional piece. It was the mental piece. It was all of that stimulation. And, and it's, it sounds cliche, but you're, you're of the same generation. I am. There's that movie making love that Kate Jackson and Michael (laughs) Onkeen were in. And I swear to God, I came out because I went to that movie theater with Mm -hmm. a girl I was seeing at the time to see that movie and literally cried uncontrollably through the entire mm-hmm. movie, like embarrassing myself on a date with a girl, could not explain why to her yep. and went home and was like, holy crap, that's me. They just put my, I'm going to marry a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a, the perfect white picket fence, the nice little Midwestern house, the Labrador retriever, and I'm going to be screwing around on the side because I yep. can't let go of that piece of me. And, and I swear to God, that movie mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people of my generation know that movie. And, oh, and of course I sat, it's like, yeah, I sat I in my home. <laughs> I've watched it with my wife yeah. and I cried. I yeah. cried. And, and she was like, that was kind of touching. Wasn't it? I'm like, you have no fucking clue no, how touching totally, that was. I, I like was that like, writer just put my, just, that writer right then and there. Just, I wanted to totally. like say, this is our life, but I, I wasn't ready. I, I just was not ready I yet totally, to be there. I get you, you know. Right. No, I just and I, I think it's an interesting parallel to like what you wrote about in your book, because mm-hmm. there are these moments as leaders that you finally are ready. I love what you said about you know when you can do this. So again, back to this yeah. company that I work for. Yeah. Um, we are all remote. The entire company is remote and I have been with the company officially four years. I mean, I, I, yeah. I came on board and only became full-time a couple of years ago, but I've been in their world for eight or nine. Cause I was actually a student of their program and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming on board as a contractor and like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And I'm like, well, you know, how out am I? I'm like, well, what do I care? I'm a contractor. So I'm just going to be out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I got more comfortable and things got better. And so then suddenly the first year comes that we're actually like, we're all going to meet. I mean, I had met the owner and I'd met a couple other people just in different Mm -hmm. conferences and stuff that we were at because it's a public speaking company. And so we're going to go all meet. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is going to be kind of interesting, right? Because I'm pretty much out to the team, but this will be a whole different ballgame. And Okay, so I'm going to be a typical gay male right now. There's a couple yeah. of guys on the team that I'm just like, and they're just hot. They're hot. Let's just go there, right? <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> and uh, we walk into the retreat and all the leadership team. I'm not, I'm I'm one of the leaders, but I'm not the leadership team, right? Mm-hmm. So we walk in, all the leadership team is lined up on either side, walking into this beautiful, beautiful mansion home in Orlando area. And one of the guys that I see, he's like, they're all clapping and giving us all hugs and everything. And I walk up to him and he's giving me a hug and he's like, wow, you're tall. And I'm like, wow. And you're even hotter in person. <laughs> and I thought you were, you know, and then I get to one of the other guys who I think is just adorable. And he's like, you're a big, tall guy. And I'm like, well, you're a little short, stocky guy and you're pretty hot yourself. You know, and I'm just like, these things are just happened to come out of my mouth. And I'm like, wait, any other company, I'd probably have a little more filter, but it's because I felt I could be me. 
He felt and they safe. know I'm joking and I felt safe. Yeah. And okay, maybe, I, yeah, I do still think these guys are kind of great looking guys, right? But I also feel like sometimes we as gay men hold ourselves back when we actually, the space has been created for us. But 100%. I know that a lot of times when the space has been created for us, the thing that we bring with us is our Louis Vuitton baggage. Baggage. Well, I think, yeah, I, I write about this in the book. We have this skill. I think gay men have a skill that we've honed over time where we mm -hmm. read situations really, really well. Yes. We read, we read situations. We read rooms before we enter because of safety. Right. And mm -hmm. I think particularly those of us that grew up, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, like we really read a situation and, and you can't take anything for granted. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's funny because I lived 25 years in California. I've now lived two and a half years in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Atlanta is a very liberal progressive city with a great yep. queer community, but I go outside of Atlanta 20 minutes from my house and I am on guard. Like I'm watching yes. my behavior. I'm watching my language I'm watching my body stance. Uh, I'm watching how I'm interacting with my partner yep. and in California, I never did that. Like in California, mm. I just took it for granted. But here, but I think it's a skill we develop because yes. we, it's like a, it's like a, an animal instinct. It's like a sixth mm -hmm. sense where like, am I safe? It's back to safety is where I was going. It is. is Absolutely. Am I going to be safe in this environment or do I have to tone it down? Right. Do mm -hmm. I have to tone it down? Do I have to feel out the room first? Maybe I should make a circuit and feel out right. and figure out where my, Yep. where my community is. Um, and I, I think that is a skill that a gay man has that a straight man doesn't have a, mm -hmm. a, a, a cisgender straight man, straight white man in particular walks into a room, owns it basically. Yep. Right. Like yep. owns it, especially if you're tall, you and I are both tall, like they just own it. Right. Yeah. yeah. We've got an entire movie running in our head, like this narrative exactly. running in our head that they don't have that we're like, okay, wait a minute. She looks friendly or wait, he looks familiar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you literally start telling stories in your head about all the people in the room and looking for where you're going to be safe. Because at the end of the day, you want to be safe to be yourself. That's what safety yes. is about. It's not that you think you're going to get beat up or, you know, God forbid anything like that, but it's like, am I going to be safe? Am I safe to be myself, mm -hmm. be my authentic self, bring my true self to tell my story, to introduce this man to my left as my partner mm -hmm. and not my friend. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all know about changing those words. We all know about changing nouns and, and, and um, unfortunately it's a skill we have because we developed right. it over time. Not long. Well, yeah, it was uh, probably six, seven months ago I was swimming and um Small town. We live in San Luis Obispo. So if you're mm -hmm. from California, you know, small town, right? Yep. My husband works for the county and he interacts with a lot of the city, you know, board of supervisors, mm -hmm. the board of supervisors for San Luis Obispo. And I recognized one of the board of supervisors in the pool and I knew my husband had interacted with her mm -hmm. and I'm swimming. I'm like, aren't you so-and-so? And she goes, yes. I said, oh yeah, I, I know. I know who you are. And she goes, oh really? And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> Should I have said what I, yeah, should I yeah. say what I'm about to say? I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, if I just said, screw it, you're already there. You better go for it. I said, you know, my husband, she goes, oh, I do. And I, and so, and it was one of those, and she's one of the liberal people on the yeah. board. So I wasn't that concerned, but it's those moments that we all face 
that mm-hmm. I think are worth continuing to like visit because we're going, we're never going to stop coming out number one and totally. explore it and realize, you know, I'm going to come back to kind of like in that moment, I couldn't control what was happening. All I could control is how I decided to move forward. But I also in that moment left a space open for what was, and then her and I talked and we had a great time mm-hmm. chatting and, you know, we swam in lanes next to each other. Every once in a while I'll run into her and oh, how's your husband? And, and uh, I'm like, well, you know, you, you see it more yeah. than I do. So, you know, you tell me how's my, yeah, husband, but I so. think, I think again, it's interesting as a gay man, you again, had a dialogue and a conversation mm-hmm. in your head. Yes. Where am I going to go? I have a choice right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I yep. have a choice. And you knew it could go either way, right? right? It could, it could turn into be what it's been and she's been lovely. And now you have a new friend on your mm-hmm. own and you know, somebody you can talk to, it could have gone badly too. And, well, and there's another and, thing too, Jim, yeah. that I, that was going through my head too, is I've never talked to my husband about how do you want me to interact if I yeah. meet somebody, you know, because in a way I was outing him at that moment too, totally. you know, and that's always a thing that I think so many of us, we contend with. And I hope a lot of the guys that are listening are realizing this whole conversation is about you bringing yourself to the table in the way that makes you feel comfortable. Comfortable, totally. Comfortable and And safe. Comfortable and safe, absolutely. But there's so much that we can continue to learn about being who we are in our life and in our workplace. Mm -hmm. And I know there's going to be some listeners who are like, yeah, I can't be that in my workplace. Then honor that. It may be frustrating. It may be very frustrating to say, I can't be that. We get that. Doesn't mean okay, everybody, you know, leave and it's we I, don't, yeah. I mean, listen, we have to make a living. We have to, we have to live. We have that Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs. If somebody came to me and said, I absolutely can't do that at work, I would never so I'd say, fine, mm-hmm. be what you need to be at work. But then what I would say to them is when you're not at work, be all of you. Like yes, be the best version of you at home because don't bring that dialogue mm-hmm. and that narrative from work home then. Like build that wall. Be what you have to be at work to be successful and to enjoy your job and to get paid and all of get your benefits, all that stuff. But then in the rest of your life, please join the gay bowling league, right? Yeah. Go, yeah, go play gay anything. softball or cookball. Do anything to let that other part of you out. Because if you mm-hmm. if you bring that closeting and that protective shield home and that keeps you from your community, from your chosen family. I just worry about you. I just worry. Well, it about keeps your you from being health. yourself, and then your health. Exactly. I was going to go there. It would be in your health. Yeah. You know, I've had yeah. some pretty big health challenges over the last year, and the last time I yeah. was in the hospital, I I had a very frank conversation with my ER doc and my cardiologist and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, and I said, you know, I'm realizing that the state of our world right now sometimes really gets under my skin, and I got to start yeah. letting that go. Because it's not doing me any good to ruminate in it. I can only Mm -hmm. change what I can change. And, you know, I've got to let go of certain things. And Mm -hmm. part of it is realizing that there's going to be times that I've got to, I get to choose how I want to show up in the world. And there's other times, you know, I mean, being a guy who does these podcasts, I'm not hidden whatsoever. And I'm not feeling like I'm some huge celebrity, but once you're out there in the public, the way I'm out in the public, there's no hiding, you know? And I'm okay no, with you're that. Gonna, and you're going to, it's, I mean, we're so similar in that, like, like, okay, I'm writing a book, right? I had to be vulnerable to write this book, Absolutely. right? I, I put it out there. There's some stories in there. You know, I had early readers, including my sister. And, um, but that also means I'm going to get critics, right? And I'm going to get Absolutely. reviewed. And, 
And I actually had, uh, you know, my, uh, the, my, my PR agent say to me, okay, we're sending you out for this review and that review. Are you ready? Right. And I said, what are you saying? Yeah, of course. And he goes, are you ready? Because you could get bad reviews too. You could, of course you could get good reviews. You could get neutral. You could get bad. And so by doing something like what you do with the podcast, by me writing a book, you're putting, you're being vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there and you've got to be ready for it all. And I feel like because of the work I've done over all these years, particularly the last couple of years, I'm ready, you know, mm. and, and I'm not so naive. I've worked in Hollywood. I've worked in media right. for a long, long time. I'm not so naive to think that it's going to be like, you know, a, a parade of, you know, glorious reviews. Right. Um, you know, and I, I love anything. the negative stuff. I, I, yeah, I know that you learn crazy. from like, it again. Exactly. Learn. I learned so much from it. You know, you I mean, learn. I've had a couple of people say, oh, that was complete fluff what you said on the podcast. And then I'm like, well, you know, maybe it was. I, I had one one listener tell me, I wish you wouldn't refer to us as girl and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, OK, I, I hear it's you. you. Yeah, I hear but you. it's me, you know, and I, no. I heard them and I, I probably brought it down a little bit but i also am like i can't harness who i am i have fun doing what i do and i think that's the the mm-hmm. key to all of this for any guy that's listening so um no, well i'm sure. excited for you jim oh I can't my god wait I'm, I'm for this to I'm get thrilled. out there and i yeah. know it's awesome, uh buddy. it's only a couple months away right, it's, uh, right. And we're, we're actually going to have Jim cover. back on my other yeah. podcast when the book comes out. So for those of you who yeah, follow we'll both, we'll have Jim um, on right right after the book gets released. I, yeah. I, I already know my first question. So tell me about your first <laughs> bad review. Let's go there. Friend. I know. How much did it hurt? Did you cry? Yes. No. Yeah, did, how much sure. did you drink while you were mm-hmm. reading it? You know, all that good stuff. Were you but, alone? Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you gather yeah. a group of friends and read the review together? That's awesome. Well, if you, no, any I'd of you want to, to like, um, you know, start to follow and get all the information, the website is all pride, no ego.com. Easy yep. to remember, so to speak. You know, I love it when we can take our books and it tightens up like that. Um, yep. And I just, I so appreciate you sharing yourself, Jim, and, oh my and gosh, giving us some pleasure. words of guidance. Cause I know a lot of guys listen and they're in high high powered jobs or they're working mm-hmm. their way up that ladder. And then these things are going to happen where you got to, have your your moments with Jesus, so to speak. Yes, those you come do. to Jesus. Come moments to Jesus you, moments. Yes, Love yes, it. Yes, yeah. You so, got it. Yep. You got to take a breath. Yep. But um, well, I so appreciate it, and I well, it's love so good I love what you do, and, and, you and it's so necessary. It's so yeah. necessary. Well, thank Great. you again, my friend, so much for thank being you. here. And I can't wait to chat with you again in a couple of months. So, yeah, we'll talk in a couple. Guys, of months. check it out. All pride, no ego. Thank you, everybody. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.